Hi, I'm Marie Jenkins and this is my podcast, The Secret Diary of Marie Jenkins 47+. In today's March Wellbeing Week episode, we have Hilary Sims, the Life Balance Counsellor. Enjoy. from Advance Your Wellbeing and welcome to our interview today with the fabulous Hilary Sims. Hi you Hilary. Hi Marie. Great How to are you? Here. I'm fine thank you. I hope all your listeners are well as well. Good night. Yeah. Warmed up a little bit. It's a little bit better. Yeah exactly and when this goes out in March hopefully we'll have as fantastic a weather as what we did last March. I remember we had glorious sunshine. <laughs> Well, it would be nice to think that, wouldn't it? But let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Exactly. We'll take the temperatures we've got today because they're double yeah, digits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So for our listeners, Hilary, can you tell me who you are and what is it that you do? I'm Hilary Sims and I'm a counsellor based in Stourbridge and I work with people to help them live a better life. I work with anxiety, depression and low self-esteem. So when things aren't going too well, I'm the person you need to be speaking to. I use humanistic person-centered therapy and I use cognitive behavioral therapy. And cognitive behavioral therapy um, gives us a great set of tools to look at people's thoughts and feelings about situations. Because quite often it's our own thoughts and feelings that causes the disturbance. And sometimes when we get consumed with what's going on around us, we actually can't see another way to deal with things. So when clients come to talk to me, it's about looking at different ways for them to deal with things. Because if they're not in a great place, the way they're doing things at the moment is not working. So when um, we talk about things, I'll challenge the way we do things and see if we can look at alternative ways to do things. Fantastic. And what you say you're based in Stourbridge. I mean, I'm assuming are you doing a lot of your um, therapies, etc., online or is it face to face or? At the moment, it's all online. Um, I would normally offer face-to-face and in between the two lockdowns I've converted my garage and I've been working in there um, to offer the two metre space so I was able to still see people face-to-face but currently it's either telephone or video Um, but I have also offered to clients I've been working with walking talking therapy where we actually meet and we go for a walk and we talk about things and it, it really is empowering um silence in the counseling room is a big thing anyway but when you're outside and it's really quiet and you can't hear anything else and neither of you are talking it's really really empowering and really makes you focus on what you're talking about absolutely it sounds similar to something that melanie harris is setting up over here in worcestershire um but it's fantastic because you're saying about your services so basically you can provide services to anyone anywhere pretty much if you're doing a lot of online as well so that's great and that will continue that will continue after lockdown as well I'll continue to offer the online stuff because as you say your audience is anywhere then absolutely and and vitally needed as well at, at the moment so yeah fantastic so can let's let's look at you a bit more then, Hilary. Can you share with me a bit about your story and your career and how you've led to be working in wellbeing? Because you've got such an interesting background. Okay, well, my, hus- my husband was in the army for over 20 odd years. 
Um, so having met him, I moved around with him. We lived in Hampshire and Wiltshire. Um, we even lived in Germany for five years when my daughter was actually born, which was a great experience. Um, so having done all sorts of jobs, admin roles and customer service roles, and what I worked for the army as well when we were out in Germany, uh, when we came back to the UK and settled, I decided it was my turn to do something for me. Yeah. So as you do, you flick through the local paper and see what's on at college and whatever. And I found an introduction to counselling course at Kidderminster College. So I thought, why not? Let's go and give it a go. So three years part time, uh, I qualified as a counsellor and I decided I'd set up my own business and started run it alongside the job I was doing at the time to just see how it was going. And six and a half years later, here I am still supporting people. That's excellent. Well done you and such a brave step to sort of launch your own business in your own right. So fantastic. And it's um, such a worthwhile and rewarding profession as well, I can imagine. Oh yeah, it's great. It's, obviously with the counselling, the relationship with the client is really, really important. Um, and obviously build up that relationship. Some clients should work with a matter of weeks. Some clients you work with very long term, months or even into years, depending what, what you're dealing with. And when that client sort of says, well, I think I'm OK now. I think I can manage on my own. It's sad to see the client go, but it's so rewarding because you know what you've done has made a big difference to their life. Absolutely. And everybody's different, aren't they? And people's recovery or how they can progress is different. So I can understand some you might have for short term, but others you might be working with them for longer periods. And it's great that you've got that flexibility. So let, let's talk a bit about the current situation in relation to we're now in a pandemic. Um, so what do you see as the biggest opportunity at the moment within the wellbeing space? Being able to offer support remotely being able to offer support where people can't go and see people face to face. Um, clients can still reach out to you. Um, initially, in lock, first lockdown, it was a bit of a challenge putting everything online. Um, but it's, it's so rewarding to see the clients can still reach out. Still, people can still get the help that they actually need. And I think currently at the moment with this lockdown, a lot more people seem to be suffering and struggling. And I think people have sort of gone into a little bit of survival mode. I'll get through today, get through tomorrow. Perhaps don't really know what's bothering them or what's worrying them. But at the moment, it's survival mode. And while I'm surviving, I'm OK. Yeah. But eventually, people will need support. But it's great because it's there at the end of a telephone or at the end of a video call. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's the thing with stress and anxieties and mental health conditions is people, and, and I know this from personal experiences, you go into that fight or flight mode, don't you? And um, yeah, it does seem to have hit a number of people quite hard, but it's great to know that there's people like you out there, Hilary, you know, you know, when I think back of my personal mental health issues, um, you know that it's great that there's more people out there that you can reach out to because I was very fortunate I had help from mine and also the Samaritans but if anything I think it's it's really positive that there's more people like you out there so yeah it's great now how at the moment it's being talked about more which is which yeah. is great people are 
running they're not there's not such a stigma attached to mental health there is still a stigma attached to mental health and particularly for men unfortunately you know they think oh I'm a man I can deal with it can you really you know you're no different to a lady you still have emotions and feelings and things still affect you whether you're a man or a woman but I think now it's being talked about in the media on social media people are more comfortable about reaching out and saying I'm struggling I could do with a little bit of help please yeah and I know you've done a lot of work around men's mental health and sort of promoting that as as a way that they can be able to reach out and feel that they've got the confidence to come and approach people like yourselves and I do I do work with both I do work with male and female clients but for men to actually pick the phone up and say I think I need help is a, is a big thing which is why yeah I did I did do a campaign for Christmas a lot about men's mental health and it's there's no stigma attached to it it's okay to ask for help we all go through times where we struggle and we suffer with things please don't suffer in silence there's lots of people out there that can help you okay so I, I'm gonna probe a bit deeper now into about counselling in a bit more detail so what are the sort of things that sort of crop up in a counselling room. Lots of things. Lots of things. Okay. Um, low self-esteem is a really, really big issue. Um, sadly, with the invent of social media, um, which is great, which is how you and I met, it's fantastic, yeah. but it can be a negative effect on people as well because they see people out there with these perceived perfect lives. Yeah. I've got this money, I've got that money, I go on these holidays, I eat out at this restaurant and this, that and the other. And people go, well, well, I'm not doing all those things. Does that make me not as good as them? So sadly, low self-esteem is a real big issue at the moment. And it it comes to the counselling room in in lots of different disguises as well. Um, Recently, recently I've been working with a client and it was actually bereavement that they came with. Um, But when we got talking, um, they were actually a people pleaser. And obviously putting everybody else in front of themselves. And when we talk things through, oh, yeah, I could have done that differently. And what an impact that would have made to me if I would learned that before. So we actually spend more of our sessions talking about their low self-esteem and how they could uh, believe in themselves than actually the bereavement. Yeah. But by learning those things, it helped them deal with the bereavement a lot better. But yeah. low self-esteem really is a big thing. And, and that's across the board. That's across the ages, right from, right from very young kids of what well very young under 10 some children um you know particularly through teenage years when people start to get on social media and see what other people um seem the life other people seem to have yeah and we always have this instead of realizing i'm okay as long as i'm the best version of me today that's all i can be yeah people try to set themselves up for because i don't do this and i don't do what other people do that means i'm a failure and it's certainly not yeah it's, it's such a big thing, isn't it, self-esteem and, and making sure you invest in your self-care. And, and it's interesting that, interesting that you said that client came to, to speak to you specifically around bereavement because we, we did a podcast early on with a lady called Lisa Richards. Um, in fact, you can, you can find the interview on our channels. Um, and she's a grief recovery specialist. And, you know... It's really important, isn't it, at the moment? You know, there's 
lots of sad news about people passing away with COVID and things. And it's great to sort of, okay, you think you can deal with it, but sometimes you need to have that additional support, be it a grief recovery specialist or, or someone like you. So, you know, we're, we're very fortunate we've got people like you with that sort of area of expertise. So the thing is with bereavement, people put it in a box, put a lid down on it and think, oh, I've dealt with it, yeah, we've done the funeral, we've done this, we've yeah. sorted all the practical bits out. And then it can be months later when something triggers this lid and up it comes and out comes all the emotions. And quite often linked with the bereavement comes anger. And a lot yeah. of people get angry, but they don't know why they're angry and they don't link it back to the bereavement, but it yeah. is part of the stages of loss. Yeah, yeah, to totally, totally good point. So if a client was to come to you, Hilary, when they first approach you, what? how does your services work then? When somebody, it depends how they approach me. Some people um, through um, directories online, through social media, through referrals from friends. So when people contact me initially, we'll have a chat quick chat some people contact you by email you don't actually chat to them till you've got through this to the first session um but initially i'll offer them a 30 minute appointment um for us to meet and some people want to do that some people like to meet you first some people want to go for a full yeah. 50 minute session first and i'll actually explain to them what the counseling process is you know i'm not here with all the answers i'm not the expert they're the expert on them i'm there to support them on their journey um, so the first session is all about information gathering, what they're coming to counselling with, what they think they want to achieve from counselling, what sort of goals have they got with the counselling. And it's about the counselling journey is about feeling comfortable because they've yeah. got to feel comfortable with me. If they don't feel comfortable with me and my surroundings, they're not going to share their innermost feelings. You don't share your innermost feelings. You don't get to the root of the issue. So the counselling process is about finding the right person, finding the person you feel comfortable with. Because yeah. that person is going to be, he's going to hear your most innermost secrets. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously the main important thing when you're sharing your innermost secrets with somebody is confidentiality. We are yeah. covered by confidentiality. We do not go telling people what happens in the counselling room. There obviously are a few legal reasons we would have to break confidentiality. But everything else that's is talked about in the counselling room stays in the counselling room so it is it is between you the counsellor and the four walls of the counselling room yeah and you you have to build that trust don't you and you know privacy people's privacy is so important so i, I want to ask if you could share sort of any sort of case studies if you like of clients obviously respecting their animate and anim well, I'll, privacy. I'll say that. <laughs> Anonymity. That's the one. <laughs> Anonymity. Um, so, yeah, can you give us yeah, some examples? Got, got, yeah, I had a client. I had a client. Well, there's the one I've used, obviously, with the bereavement. And, I mean, at the end of that, uh, the end of, that was only six sessions I worked with that client. And the parting words were, I'm just so looking forward to my new journey of meeting who I really am. You know, of where I can, how I can do things differently now and the impact. She says, I just feel like the world's been lifted off my shoulders, which was fantastic. So another client who had no confidence in social situations, used to go to all sorts of um, social situations, but found themselves talking all night, didn't like silence in conversation. So 
if they were in a group, they'd keep talking and filling gaps and stop talking to people. And they'd go home and then they'd lie awake at night worrying, have I offended anybody? Did I say anything uh, that people wouldn't like? Well, how do you know what other people are thinking? You actually don't. And this client couldn't actually see, the client was talking to people because they thought, if I keep them entertained, they'll like me. Well, actually, no, they'll like you for the person you are, not because you're entertaining them. So we worked on different ways to manage social the social situations. Instead of taking over this conversation, try and listen to the other people. When you're in that group and there's a silence in the group, see what everybody else is doing. Observe the group around you. Are other people jumping in desperately to, to speak? So this was very, very awkward for the client to do for the first time. I challenged the client to go and do this. Um, but they did it. They did actually um, observe what other people did in the group and how other people reacted. And they realised it was okay to stand there and silence is okay. But the client was also worried that if they didn't feel the silence, they might be asked a question they felt awkward with answering. So this is where their low self-esteem was really coming to the front. Well, the if somebody asked me something I don't feel comfortable answering, we don't have to answer the question. That's your choice if you answer the question. So... It was really, some, they knew sometimes they'd go out and they'd jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber all night long and then they'd go home and go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But they <laughs> knew what they'd done. But they knew when they went out the next time how to do it differently. Mm. And having done, um, this was a client in their 50s, having done this for 50 years of going out to social situations, it wasn't going to be an overnight fix. It was obviously going to be a journey. She was going to have to learn to do things differently. So... It, sometimes it would she would do go back to where they were but on the whole they were learning to do things differently and in the end the client called this their song and dance act and realized <laughs> they, they thought they were the entertainment for the night and that's how people would like them so before they went out they would leave their song and dance act in the wardrobe oh, so by leaving that in there yeah it was it, it they just felt like they had to entertain everybody and then if I entertain everybody, everybody will like me. And it basically came down to the client didn't like themselves. So we had to work on building up the client's belief in themselves. Yeah. But if I go and entertain everybody, everybody will like me, then that will make me a good person and make me a nice person. Then I will believe I'm a nice person, but it's because of other people's affirmations, not my own. So it actually, this was all about having no belief having no self-confidence in their own belief yeah. and in themselves and it's really quite sad and the impact of going out for a night and they were coming back absolutely exhausted yeah yeah because they talked all the way through it and then they weren't sleeping at night because oh did I say this did I offend so and so did they like this did I say something I shouldn't have said and they're getting to the stage where going out into social events was just so exhausting yeah it was just it wasn't worth going but we changed that round and they'd go out and they'd actually come back into the next session. So I went out last week and I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, that's the sort of result that you want. And there's there's something about the power of silence, isn't there, in, in a conversation? You've said that a few times. So, yeah, it's, and that's a great way of building your knowledge from an emotional intelligence perspective as well, isn't it? About building those relationships and your communication styles. So 
So yeah. you're you're counselling people, but you're also helping coaching by the sounds of it, Hilary. Well, CBT is about looking at our thoughts and feelings and how we act in a situation. So yeah, it yeah. is about learning to do the way I do it at the moment is not working. How can I do it differently? Um, and sometimes some clients we go right back and we find exactly where it started from. And invariably it started from some experience in childhood. Other yeah. clients, we never work out where it's come from. We just work in the here and now and how you can deal with the here and now differently. And yeah, it's about learning a new set of skills, learning how to deal with things differently because the situation currently is driving me bonkers. How can I learn to do it differently? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. It's fantastic stuff, Hilary, it really is. But I'm interested to know from you, who are the sort of people that you've worked with or you'd like to work with in the future that inspires you? Oh, who inspires me? Oh, I don't know. Any, well, anybody, any adult who comes to me who's struggling at the moment, for them then to see them go on their journey to learn how to do things differently and put, put the things that we talk about in the counselling room into practice and yeah. then they come, they come back to the next session and it's it, it, it's like, oh my God, I did it and it worked. <laughs> you know, to see somebody who's really interested in seeing change in their own life, you know, and actually trying the things that we talk about. And sometimes, like that client, it was changing years of doing things to all of a sudden say, don't do that anymore. Go and do it this way and see if it works. It's a real challenge. It's like saying right with your right hand instead of your left hand or vice versa <laughs> you know you would have to think about it wouldn't you you just wouldn't pick up a pen and write with the opposite hand so this is actually right when I'm in this situation I can't do this I've got to try this way you know and I, I have clients who say to me oh I've got a little Hillary on my shoulder so that when, when things are when things are I'm, I'm struggling with things right well what would Hillary say right she's telling me in my ear to do this and that works for the clients that's fantastic. Poor, poor them taking me everywhere with them. But if it works, it works. Yeah. So it's it's their their stories are so inspirational because they come to me quite often at their lowest point, and they will walk out of my counselling room a few weeks or a few months later, and they're they're on top of the world and dealing with things so much differently. So yeah. all my clients really are inspirational. That's really nice. And I can imagine it's so rewarding doing the job that you do. Yeah, yeah it is. It's great. It is yeah. great. Some, I say some, some clients just disappear. Most, most clients, hopefully, we have a nice ending and we know it's going to be our last session and we review the things we've done. Yeah. And other people just disappear. And you do, and you do just think, well, I hope they're doing okay and they've learned something and they're doing something differently. And I, I just think when they've walked out, well, they're happy with what we've done. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it is so inspirational to see to see this client come who's really struggling with this, and it's it's like dragging a great big backpack of all rubbish around with you, and all of a sudden we dump the backpack, and oh, do you know what? I've grown two inches, and I feel like <laughs> I cope with the things. How lovely! Yeah. How wonderful! So, um, I want to know before because we've covered so much today, but I want to know about. How do you maintain positive well-being? Because I can imagine doing the job that you're doing, you know, you're getting a lot of emotional uh, sort of overload onto you from, from your clients. So how do you maintain that positive well-being uh, and mindset? 
my running <laughs> I, I run three times a week which is what keeps my mind in the right place to support my clients and also when my clients leave the room the issue leaves the room too it's not mine to solve it's not doesn't become my issue because yeah. if it did become my issue I would be obviously really really struggling um, and also is uh, I have a supervision once a month and talk about my caseloads and that type of thing with my supervisor and talk about how I feel about how things have gone in the counselling room. So that's my space to release things. But my my biggest thing is my running. Yeah. I love to run, get out there, and it's great at the moment because it's warmed up, but I have run through the snow and the, and the ice <laughs> and the cold. But the, my motto as well is, if you don't look after yourself, who does? Yeah. And, you know, by being out in my running, I think about the things I need to think about, I come back and I just feel invigorated and it allows me just to take on the day and deal with whatever my job throws at me. Yeah, um, both yourself and Alison Cotton, uh, you post some fantastic pictures of your running and I, and I, yeah, I just find you yes. both so very much inspirational because um, Al Alison's fantastic. She's completely transformed her well-being and she she did a podcast interview with us just before Christmas, actually, whereby she shared her well-being story. But she's doing amazing. I think anybody who can run, I mean, what, what sort of distances do you cover then, Hilary? Um, about between seven and eight miles three times a week. Wow. But then you cycle a lot. And I can't imagine doing the cycling that you do. So <laughs> it's different. We all do it in different ways, don't we? And obviously in the first lockdown, I just started doing more and more miles. Yeah. I've no desire to do a half marathon or a marathon or anything like that. I'm just happy to doing what I do. <laughs> I was speaking to Dave Bird yesterday. He's a marathon trainer. Um, and I just think I, I'm so in awe of anybody that does that. I mean, for me, yes, you mentioned cycling. I'm, I'm huge into cycling. The point is around wellbeing is finding something that you enjoy and you clearly enjoy your, your running. So, yeah. yeah. If not, it's a chore. And it, if it becomes a chore, you don't enjoy it. You don't want to go out there and do it. And I know there are sometimes when I get up and you peek out the window and you look at the weather, and, oh, I don't want to do it today. But once you've actually got out there and yeah. done it, you do feel so much better. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Sunday I had my long johns on under my cycle trousers and, you know, getting that, it was really, really cold, but it, it you just soon warm up because you're cycling and you yeah. just feel so much better getting that fresh air, don't you? From, yeah, yeah. So, and at yeah. the moment that is, that is so important because everybody's working from home. They've not even got the commute. They're just walking down the stairs, sitting at their dining room table or in their office or whatever they're not actually having fresh air and I know if you commute and you sit on the train and whatever you don't get a huge amount of fresh air but you do get some when you walk to the station or walk from the railway station yeah. to your office at the moment people aren't and because it's okay the nights are drawing out now but it's still not at half past five six o'clock it's dark people don't want to go out and walk so hopefully getting out at weekends and whatever is so, so important. Yeah. And they do say that, don't they, that sort of 20 minutes exercise a day, you need something, especially as we remote working a lot. But yeah, it's finding what your passion is in your well-being. And cycling is great for my mindfulness. And I can imagine that running's the and, same and it's for fitting you. And fitting around work as well. Yeah. You know, before lockdown, I did combat as well. 
but obviously the gyms are closed. Um, so Friday morning was combat morning. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've just done, I've just done my running instead because it fits it. I yeah. can do that before I start work. So yeah, yeah it's great. You just have to adapt it, don't you? And yeah. do. Hilary, yeah. it's been absolutely fascinating to speak with you this morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell tell our listeners how they can reach out and get in touch with you? What's what's the best method? Um, well, my telephone numbers. 07850 447585. Uh, I've got a website which is www.lifebalancecounseling.net or my email is info at lifebalancecounseling.net. Fantastic. Can you just repeat that number for those people that are scrabbling for their pens? <laughs> 07850 Brilliant. It's been a sheer delight, Hilary. Thank you so much. And, and on behalf of all those people you're helping, thank you so much because, you know, what you're doing is just incredible work. So, yeah, fantastic. Keep, keep it up. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. It's been really great. Thanks, Hilary. All the best. Bye. Bye. Hi, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode on our Secret Diary of Marie Jenkins 47 Plus podcast. If you're interested, we have our innovation workshop on the 1st of April and you can get your tickets via our website, Advance Your Wellbeing at www.advanceyourwellbeing.co.uk and we'll see you there.